0: Hey, folks.
1: Welcome back. Season two. Season two, that's right. Welcome to season two. We made it through season one together.
0: (laughs) Ha ha. Yes. It was quite a journey. Yeah. But we're here. Back again. Everything is groovy on our end of the spectrum as far as it can be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. New words and phrases and excite.
0: Circles and arrows (laughs) and the paragraphs on the back of each one. That's right. And... Still would love more listener thoughts, so anyone that wants to contact us hit us up, please
1: yes, on the Twitter or Instagram or Facebook
0: whole nine yards pod whole nine yards podcast
1: is where you'll find us. We
0: look forward to even more interaction <laughs> indeed, so weirdly enough yes um i think this I think this is still like I don't know um. Is this the first episode of season two? This will be the second
1: episode of season two, technically. Yeah,
0: technically it's the second episode. Yeah,
1: we didn't welcome them to season two in the first episode of season two. You
0: got got to get acclimated to season two before you're ready for welcoming. Exactly. Like,
1: hey, come on in. And then when you're in, then we welcome you. that's
0: That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So, we have an episode that's kind of like
1: trouble stuff. Troublesome things. Trouble, yeah. Feelings of trouble. <laughs> or, or
0: things of trouble in nature that happen. So, uh, Ray, you're going to go first Okay, on this one. What sure. You, what did you have up?
1: Uh, my first troublesome phrase uh, is in a pickle.
0: In a pickle.
1: Hmm. Which I've not, again, I say that, I've defined as in a fix, in a jam. In a difficult situation.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Is that how you would, you would agree?
0: I agree. And I'm also just picturing myself. You don't see them very often. I guess at, at, at right proper delis or perhaps a saloon, uh, you'll see a big jar. Pickle jar. Of brine and pickles. Sure, picturing myself in that jar, and that's in a pickle. To, that's that, yeah. I exactly. don't know though. That's not actually in the pickle. That's in a pickled jar. Of brine. You're in a pickle jar of brine. Yeah.
1: That's my. That's my next thing. Was just what is it that you imagine? And I said some sort of brine vegetable. I'm guessing. So you you were guessing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Briny something with a pickly brine. Right. Ha uh-huh. ha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, the OED lists. 1503 as the origin of the briny usage of the word pickle, although the word pickle comes from German word, I think "pokel" or the Dutch word "pickle," both uh, kind of meaning something having a sharp taste. So not the brine necessarily, but the uh, the taste of something p- piquant picant. I don't. Is it? How do you pronounce that word? Do you know?
0: Picante, I don't
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like piquant, but uh, anyway, that, that I'm having a sharp taste is the definition of that word.
0: Yeah, you know what? That's, sorry to yeah, keep interrupting. No, you're fine. You know, and you do too. Like, we, we eat a good amount of um, Indian fare. Yeah. And, and Indian fare includes a lot of different pickles.
1: hmm
0: I mean... Every every, onion pickle, tomato pick, anything you could think of, you could get a jar of so good pickle. Yes, right, right. That was just a little aside, or not.
1: Well, yeah, not really. It still references the pickles. Oh, yeah, right there. (laughs) (laughs) That's more the the, but the OED is more the the literal kind of definition, the idiom usage uh, in a jam kind of sense. Comes about uh, in 1573, so after, you know, well after the the term pickle has been around, obviously. It's (laughs) it's an old, 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 old word. But this is 1573, Thomas Tusser's, I'm thinking, 500th points of good husbandry. Hmm. And his advice uh, to the 1573 readers is, reap barley with sickle. That lies in ill pickle. And what he's saying is when you reap barley, it stands tall and you would reap something that's up and tall with a scythe, which is can take large swaths of things down. Yeah. But the things which are an ill pickle or having, you know, not sickly, not doing so well, you would have to reap with a sickle, which is a handle. And it would be smaller, you'd get in closer, and kind of like, you know, rip it down in a smaller way. So he's using the ill pickle to say sickly. You know what I'm saying?
0: He's saying surgically remove the, the bad part of the apple.
1: I mean, he's saying, he's just using, yes, in this specific sense. But he's using the term, he's using the idiom in a pickle in this way. You know, like the barley's not doing so great. So because it's not doing so great, you got to use this the small hand tool versus this the big big reapy tool. You know what I'm saying? This is the first idiom usage of it.
0: Yeah, does that make sense? No,
1: it doesn't make sense. He's using it. I'm saying he's defining this is the first idiom usage that we have.
0: I get that it's the first okay um but he he chooses to remove he suggests we move the small portion that's bad. Yeah. By hand. With
1: the hand with a smaller tool, yeah, because it's not standing strong and it's sickly, so you have to get in with a different device.
0: I think I think I'm I'm concentrating too much on that. I
1: do think though I, I agree with you. And,
0: and yeah. not just Pretty... on the idea that he called the ill pickle. Right. Yeah, okay, let's move on. That's fine. <laughs> Sorry, dear listeners. <laughs> it
1: happens to me all the time. <laughs> um So that is the more Sickly sense, you know, as we said, <laughs> a different sense comes by way of our good friend, uh, Shakespeare again, as is I knew it, it was
0: 1573. Times. I figured he was coming,
1: he's coming up as he does. So, 1610 The Tempest, uh, he's using pickle to mean drunk, which I have also heard the usage of, right? I mean, if people say you're pickled, you're really yeah, pickled, right? Yeah, yeah. And it seems to be the common use of that era for pickled in the sixteen hundreds means drunk, and everyone kind of uses it that way. And not in a, I mean, still in a, you know, you're obviously in a jam, but more specifically, you're we referring to the brine as well of the of the drunkenness. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: That is the pickling pickle.
1: Right. Um, the first. Recorded use of the phrase that kind of directly mimics the modern, like in a difficult situation or jam, um, comes in 1660, so not, you know, still, it's all pretty early, still around the same times, um, by a fellow's diary named Samuel Pepys. Um, and, and he's apparently having his home built or remodeled while he's hanging out there, and this is just a journal entry of a guy. It's not like a, you know... But it says, "At home with the workmen all the afternoon, our house being in a most sad pickle." <laughs> 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 but uh, he's kind of saying that the house is in a disarray uh, from all the work being done uh, here and there, and you know, wood and whatever is going on in 1660s. Mister Peppy's house. <laughs> yeah. Um. But he, Mister Peppy, might also know <laughs> that before his time. Some say far, as far back as the 1300s, uh, the term pickle referred to spicy sauces made of chopped vegetables, like what I'm assuming is more of a relish. You know what I mean? Not specifically brined or a specific vegetable per se, but right, more of like a chopped the... vegetable smattering that you use to spread on, like, a, like a, you know, the olive stuff and all that. The canapes, is that something?
0: I mean, I think it's more like, um, a chutney. Yeah. It's some I mean, it's not, it's a, it's pickle. I have a mango and onion and a tomato yeah. pickle in my fridge that's, at home.
1: That's it. That's what the, I guess the original kind of usage of the term pickle is just a spicy sauce of chopped vegetables. So, so that's, it's without, yeah.
0: So whatever they, whatever they do to create that makes it, um, you know, able to not rot.
1: The yeah, enzymes and whatnots in the, in the mixes. I guess I'd imagine we probably throw some brine in the modern day ones. Perhaps mm-hmm. these old ones they, they didn't specifically say. It was more just like generally chopped vegetables.
0: They're sour
1: and whoo, they're mighty. <laughs> they're probably briny then. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then we also use this term to you know, people have used it to when they talk about embalming bodies. You know, they're, they're pickled, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, throughout the years, it, it kind of carries that drunk, brined, preserved meaning, you know, all at once, really. Because it does, you can use it in, in any situation, honestly, right? Not any situation, those three situations. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's a good thing, what was it, Mr. Quickie? What was it? Peppy. That thing? Mr. Peppy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad he he jotted that down. And and who just stumbles across a random guy's diary? Didn't they burn that when he died or put <laughs> it in his coffin or give it to his niece or something?
1: I mean, that's how that's how it happened. The niece had it and she kept passing it down through the sixteen hundreds. You know, you get that stuff. What happens when you inherit those things from from homes that aren't yours or, or they're the loved ones? You 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 wanna some of it might market. have no, but I mean some of it might have historical value. You hey. might think so flea market. There's huh? photos, but you could call a local archive. I have no idea. I'm assuming people do these things. Do they do that stuff? I
0: I don't know. I mean, I buy as you know, a, a good amount of vintage yeah. photographs. Sure. And I often wonder like how did this survive this photograph from 1910? Like where was it
1: all these The lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know. I'm in a pickle on how to get out of this one.
0: Well, that's okay, because, <laughs> hey, Ray, hey, don't get your panties in a bunch about it.
1: <laughs> oh, nice, I won't.
0: <laughs> and that is mine, panties in said bunch. All right. <laughs> now, now, panties Seems in troublesome. a bunch, it does. And, and, and there have been times, uh, you know, Rebecca uses this phrase mm-hmm. uh, uh, on us sometimes. She does. And I... <laughs> cause- it makes me think about it and go, I I don't un, like who's, why,
1: right? I don't know. I get what what she means, right? The the connotation is there, and I
0: think I've even speculated, like, does that mean that you're so tense that your buttocks are tense, clenched. and then and then they become like a rag knotter?
1: Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, you can actually tie a knot. I mean, I'm just I I. I'm reaching the clenched butt cheek knot, yeah, because the how final. Else, I don't, right? You know, right? You know, you, right? Well, like most idioms, you know what they mean without knowing what they mean.
0: I, t- I so I have to picture things. I yeah. got Audrey Horn with a cherry stem, but I don't know <laughs> how this happens, <laughs> you know?
1: Yes, uh,
0: so let me just say, okay that there is a strange sort of reference to this basic idea that reaches back way, man. Way back? Way. So 14, Mm. uh, you know, let's probably go 1500s. I don't know that I have an exact date on it, but it's going to be in there. Some business about this uh, Dominican preacher... Oh, man, the names, you know, but <laughs> Girolamo Savonarola. Sa- ah, Giro- uh, Savonarola. I'm going with that. Um, All right. Because this fellow, uh, Juro claimed to be able to, you know, walk through fire and things like that. So
1: Okay. Um,
0: he was challenged, you know, like, sure. put up. Like, let's, hey, let's see. Let's see let's it. Let's
1: go, buddy. Get those feet cooking.
0: Yeah. Walking? So I guess a shopkeeper, uh, you know, jeered him on in this text. He uh, <laughs> texted him. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Come on, dude. Get out there.
0: So the on see what I did <laughs> oh, there? Oh,
1: tying it in. I
0: know. Um says, it's the freight's doctrine that he's to prove by being burned. I don't know about the freight, but just go with me
1: here. Okay, going with you.
0: Uh, and then the shopkeeper... Nay, Juro, thou hast got thy legs into twisted hose there. So, huh. and this is way back f- yonder. You said
1: 1500s. 1500s. Twisted hose. But it's still, it, it
0: it has that connotation, right? That you're in, that you've got yourself into a problem. into. <laughs> but into twisted hose gives yeah. me more like, it's like you put your pants on, but the legs were like wrapped, you know. The dryer sometimes or oh yeah the,
1: wraps it in there.
0: Yeah, and then you're gonna then you trip because you didn't really look.
1: Or so what uh, about like the butt flaps that they used to have? Like, if it was, what if the butt flap was on the front?
0: Okay, <laughs> I guess that could do it too. <laughs> but I see what
1: you're saying.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but but here's here's the thing. So so that was of the um, of a European nature that origin that with the twisted hose okay and we see what we're going to see here evolve is a little slightly tricky bit of business that happens rapidly mm. so you got your mid 60s that we see this 1960s yeah 1965 okay. We, okay. we don't we don't get a whiff of this again you know <laughs> wow um but here it, but here's how it appears mm-hmm. it appears as well, bugger off then, snarled Bruce. Okay, okay. Don't get your knickers in a knot, bucko. Mm-hmm. So knickers in a knot a- yeah, yeah. appears first. Um, it, there, and also, and I'd like to put this up on our Facebook or something, if if yep. no one will scream. It's in an Andy Kapp, um oh, nice. cartoon <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, from similar era yeah so knickers in a in a twist uh later in the 1960s and, and referring to a women's or girls' underwear becoming twisted and therefore uncomfortable and what this writer calls objectionable um so <clears throat> so this is this is an odd um attempt to break this down by this fellow named Partridge. Okay. But um, Partridge's suggestion here is kind of like getting one's knitting twisted is intriguing but difficult to demonstrate. That's what I was saying. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also interesting uh, is a claim that earlier masculine counterpart to the phrase was get your Y fronts in a twist, which I got (laughs) no. No, no is, one said that. What is that? I don't know. My why fronts. The why front. I don't know. Um 1972 May West says it says don't get your panties in a bunch she, in a film.
1: Is she the first one to to get it out there? Like that's that specific phrase?
0: Yes. Uh but I'm going to presume this is just me going out on a limb because there was nothing. Sure. I searched down this path, but couldn't support it. But it looks it looks really kind of obvious. You had some writer who has been to England, mm-hmm. English people, an English-born mm-hmm. writer on the Mae West's film screenplay. Mm-hmm. Knickers in a knot does not read to the American public. They right. rewrote it. Yeah. And Mae West says it. Like, that is... Very likely, although un right. I'm not going to say unprovable if I had you know somebody give me a hundred thousand dollars when I' make some plane research. trips I'll make out. some calls yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll find somebody. but um right without that 100 grand, this is all I got. It seems right. It seems like it points that way. But our Kickstarter people for the Maywest trip <laughs> please is, uh yeah
1: we'll give the link in the show notes <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense
0: so and then so after may west though mm-hmm. whether or not that happened the way i think or not it right. it it then begins to appear in uh, american uh, press as that as panties in a bunch mm-hmm. um and then all of the cross permutations although i don't know why because alliteration is is king yeah. so knickers in a, a knot, knot. Yeah. is the owns and, and, and dominates all of that alliteration yeah. when, when we quickly rewrote it as panties in a bunch. Uh, not quite as good. Nope. So panties in a knot, knickers in a twist, all of those cross-pollinations exist. Same. But that's the the general background on it, and it yeah. would seem to me like, documented or not, that thing I originally read from from 1600s or 15, 15 way, way back. You said 1500s. Yeah. 1500s. Yeah, that must have fermented over in uh, England over the course of a couple of centuries before um, it manifested as uh, knickers in a knot. Yeah. Uh, but that's uh, that's what I have there. Nice. We won't. Have a pickle what?
1: Uh, we're in another pickle, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, maybe our ads can help us get out. Ta-da. That was terrible. No, I like that. That's fine. <laughs> 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 I think that was fine. All right.
2: Support Whole Nine Yards and make your life easier with Instacart. Online grocery shopping made simple. Instacart connects you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver groceries from your favorite stores in a single order. Products you love from local stores, hand selected based on your preferences. Many items may be delivered in as little as an hour. Instacart helps to save you money on your favorite items and recommends new products that you might also love. Instacart, the most convenient way to shop. Whole Nine Yards is sponsored by the Roberto Clemente Museum. Located in a restored engine house in Pittsburgh's revitalized Lawrenceville neighborhood, the Clemente Museum is a showcase of the largest exhibited collection of baseball artifacts, works of art, literature, photographs, and memorabilia related to Roberto Clemente and his life in baseball. Shop the store for clothing and other items featuring the iconic 21 logo, and purchase tour tickets for the museum at clemenemuseum.com. Enter promo code W9Y21, for a 10% discount on hats and tees. That's clementemuseum.com promo code W9Y21. Whole 9 Yards is sponsored by Big Science Music. Big Science Music is a can and one-show award-winning original music and sound boutique, providing scoring, sound design, radio, podcast, and audio post-production services for the advertising, film, and video industries. Big Science Music also offers ADR, casting, and project management. Big Science Music's reels, full capabilities, and more can be found at BigScienceMusic.com. That's BigScienceMusic.com.
0: All right, Ray, new season. And so now I get to say, welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out oh, nice.
1: again. It's a fresh start. Yeah, I've been
0: holding off. Right. Yeah.
1: So that's the first one. That's the first one of season nice. two. <laughs> well, I won't fly off the handle if you say it more times this season.
0: Ho-ho! Look
1: at that. We're, we're getting season two. Man. We're, it's seamless integrations, folks. Yeah, Practice right. Practice makes better, everybody.
0: Yeah, I like it.
1: Um, so yeah, fly off the handle. Yeah. It's a, it's a thing we say.
0: No, I agree.
1: Yeah. And uh, what, what do you, you know, what do you think? when I say that.
0: Well, you know, I have that story about sort of a, a, a drug experience that I had when I was young er <laughs> than I am now. Sure. And, um, and I was trying to explain to somebody how within the context of the lyrics of Locomotive Breath by Jethro Tall, where he sings in the shuffling, shuff, shuffling madness, just in that little shuh syllable yes. that like a million different things happened. You know, and I think that was my... I was still grappling with the idea of multiple probable realities and not sure. really knowing it You know, at the time. On the cusp. Yeah. Um, but in those lyrics somewhere... It says something about, you know, the handle, like the train. So I'm going to say the train is all herky-jerky and uh, the conductor loses control of the handle. That, that's my best shot of that, the nice. handle of the train,
1: you know? I like, I like the interpretation. I mean, that's all I got. I like the shuff, shuff, shuffle Shuffling, for madness. sure. Yes. Um, well, let's take a journey and find out together. Let us. This exact phrase, fly off the handle, specifically written in that way, comes to us in print uh, in 1844, which I believe we've heard uh, about Halliburton's Sam Slick tales, like Slickville. Haven't we talked about Sam Slick's tales? Yes. Well, in Sam Slick's tales, uh, (laughs) there's a sentence where... uh, he says he flies right off the handle for nothing, meaning he's going from zero to 100 in, in no time, you know?
0: He just comes out and says that.
1: He says it. I mean, he's using, yeah, that's the first time that we see this idiom specifically written as flies off the handle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah. he doesn't
0: self-explain it like some of our polite idiom creators.
1: Well, know. that's the thing, is because this, you know... It, we'll, we'll get there. So, flies off the handle. You said the train handle, which I like that, because it calls back to my mind the off your rocker, where I see a frantic trainman trying to get back on the rocker with some <laughs> kind of handle. Sure. Yeah. Um, but it seems that the handle that we're referring to are coming from homemade axes of the yesteryears. Way, way, way yesteryear.
0: Ah.
1: Oh. Um, yeah, the people would make handles and then get axe blades from, you know the Smith or whatever, and that they would put them on their own, it seems, their own handles. Yeah, and that oftentimes they'd be ill-fitting, and you'd swing your axe and your your handle or your axe head would fly off your handle. <laughs> yes.
0: yeah. This is why you spend the extra money and let the Smith make your custom fitted handle.
1: Right, exactly, guys. If you're going to get a custom axe... Just spring for the handle and the affixment. Just, just do it right. But the, the, Robert Hendrickson, Hen, Hendrickson's Origins of Over 1,500 Patriotic Words and Phrases would have you believe that it's related uh, specifically to the old American Pioneer days, um, which, like I said, people would make their own axe handles and get the, the blades from the, from the Smiths, but honestly... We've been making homemade axes since we could make tools, you know and i I doubt that the homemade axes before the American pioneer days were were of sound quality, and then suddenly and the you know we yeah, so I think this phrase comes from much 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 older, and in fact, there is a, a allusion to it in the the christian bible deuteronomy nine fifteen <laughs> <laughs> deuteronomy yeah. Sorry. Uh, for instance, a man may go into the forest with his neighbor to cut wood, and as he swings his axe to fell a tree, the head may fly off and hit his neighbor and kill him. That man may flee to one of these cities and save his life. I didn't get more context on that. Hopefully that's not the end of it. <laughs> but yes. So biblical times and I mean the the Bible was written in thirteen twenty five AD, so we can assume at least from then People were making homemade axes, and those axes were flying off, off their homemade handles.
0: I mean, ki- killing someone. Uh, I mean, if you were throwing the axe at a tree, yeah. No, I mean, but if, if you're, you're just shopping on a
1: backswing, though, you don't think a thing okay, goes flying off yeah. a big metal? What a big metal blade is going to cut through a tree, but not your skull? Yeah, Come I guess. On.
0: But I mean. But it has to hit your skull. It could just maim you, cost you a finger, put a big
1: gash in your cheek. Either way, things have escalated suddenly to what was just happening to what is now happening. No, yes. (laughs) Things have flown off the handle.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) I'm still holding the handle.
1: Right, and you're in shock. Like, oh,
0: what happened? (laughs) Oh, no. Suddenly, my axe is a lot lighter.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And some guy's screaming. Yeah, Yeah. If he's
0: lucky, he's screaming.
1: Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Well, that came out of nowhere. The end? Well, no, the, I mean, oh. just the, uh, that seems so simple and obvious. Yes,
1: yeah, I, you know, we overthink things sometimes. Sometimes they really are.
0: I'm going down Jethro Tull lyrics and here <laughs> it's an
1: axe. <laughs> just an axe handle. Wow. Yeah, so what uh, what what spot of trouble do you have for us next?
0: Well, you know what kind of person would swing an axe and have the axe head come off of the handle?
1: No, I'm not sure, no. What kind of person would that be?
0: Well, it would be uh, this Calamity Jane
1: person. Oh.
0: Now, I knew nothing except that name. Of Calamity Jane, nor did I understand it as a in the family of idioms even or something. I don't Yes. It's odd to me to find it here and then odder yet, but just the same. Sure. I'm here to fill you in on all the research I've done on this.
1: Great. No, you had mentioned that you were unfamiliar with the term, and I just mentioned that I I did know that it was an idiom. Yeah, but that's as far as as I dove in. Calamity in. Jane. Yes.
0: So this one has to be really American. All right. All right. So uh, this Calamity Jane woman, uh, who lived 1852 to 1903.
1: Wait, that's literally her name. Uh no, that's okay. not literally her. Sorry. <laughs>
0: Her name. Her name was Martha Jane Cannery. Okay. Uh huh. All right. Let me talk to you a little bit about some, some of what I found, and tell then, me. I'll, then I'll, I'll I'll tell you some. Hey of Jay, this. what'd you find? Let me tell you, Ray. All right. There are stories uh, about Calamity Jane doing a lot of things. In this one instance, um, she saved some captain who was shot. By riding up alongside of him, yeah, and then in like some you know on a horse, yeah, and then in in, in like a movie pulls him and his wounded body onto, onto her the horse. horse, sure, and rides him to you know a place to get help.
1: Yeah, we've seen this in Indiana Jones.
0: Uh, yeah, it it and it, and it looks uh, like a daring maneuver. Sure, in the Hollywood motion picture. How do
1: you get horses? Yeah, that close? Come on, it's not safe.
0: Can't be safe. Yeah there are other stories where she says she had to dive into a river to get away from being shot and then swam miles upstream and then uh, got to this camp uh, and then was sick for a few weeks from the cold or whatever happens to you in the 1800s when you're in a cold river swimming. And, sure, you know, I don't <laughs> yes. know. God anything. knows, you Giardia. didn't have Excedrin right. or anything waiting for you, a heating blanket, no Ben Gay. You're just, yeah. By the fire. You just cover you up with hay and hope you get better.
1: Got a couple weeks to see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> this could go either way. Yep.
0: But here there are these stories. Okay. But they are all, they all trace back to a, and it's funny on this one, it really is a pamphlet. Um, <laughs> she wrote an autobiography, but I guess you know, she wasn't a very wordy, didn't gal. have that
1: much, sure, just straight to the point.
0: Yeah, so it was a pamphlet, <laughs> which is funny. Yeah, but um, these all come from from that, all right. No one else is saying, Oh, yeah, and then Jane, like this Captain this Egan. This is
1: self proclaimed, right? Okay, <laughs> uh, do
0: you know, like, do you ever buy, you ever buy like a, a shop for like an old? electrical appliance or anything on, on eBay. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll look for old cassette decks or any kind mm-hmm. of stuff, maybe an old mixer, sunbeam. And if, they, if the cord is cut yeah, and the description says, can't test, no plug, you know it doesn't work. <laughs> right? It's just built for you to go, oh, I'll put a plug on and yeah, boom. We're good to go. It's so uncle. easy. Yeah. yeah. They don't want to completely lie to you. Right. So they just cut the cord off. So... That's how I found many of these, um, <laughs> these unsubstantiated yeah. claims. You just go, yeah, uh, she did say that, huh?
1: <laughs> but it's certainly written here it it. <laughs> on this pamphlet.
0: And that and that carries through her life. Now, some so of the stuff that, that we do, yes, you know, she was like an early day Paris Hilton. Yeah, like she is famous for being famous, right? But not as rich. Uh, she was in Piedmont. What the hell state is Piedmont in? Oh,
1: don't do me like that. I, Sorry. Uh, Rhode Island? I don't know. <laughs> ah. I, I I colored the maps in geography, but like, come on, I don't. I'm an American. We don't Piedmont. we don't know where our cities are. I'll look it up. Are you looking it up?
0: No, I'm. Uh, yeah, no.
1: It's gonna say Virginia, but I'm wrong probably.
0: Wyoming. Piedmont, Wyoming.
1: Ugh, I'm such a bad.
0: No, I mean I didn't know. I was I was gonna say Idaho or something. Jane took whatever job she could, and we're talking here late 1860s. In the In late 1860s, they arrived there in Wyoming, okay. and, and uh, she took whatever jobs she could find, and these v- were s- summarily uh, substantiated. Uh, dishwasher, cook, waitress, now in some instances... I don't know if these are textbooks for children or what, but Mm -hmm. they call it dance hall girl. But that's she was a prostitute, Mm -hmm. a nurse, and an ox team driver, to name a few. Damn! It does seem to be substantiated that she also rose to being a (laughs) bullwhacker, which I come to find is the the one on the horse that drives the herd of bulls. Oh wow! Yeah, it seems seems like a, a a kind of a tough yeah. job, Driving you know. Him.
1: Yeah, I agree. I don't know how to drive a bull. No, I'm not or doing, a, or a hole.
0: I'll be the guy that's back at the tent at the making mess for. people. Yeah, I'm like I'll cook, right? Yeah,
1: I'll be the cook guy. Uh,
0: and 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 she did hook up with an, another fellow from American yeah. history that I'm not a fan of either. Johnny
1: Appleseed, <laughs> that, that little punk. <laughs>
0: uh, no. <laughs> Wild Bill Hickok. Okay. So she ties him to her, her uh, ladder of fame, mm-hmm. and claims that he fathered her children. It is true that Jane seemed to have had two or three daughters, but it is not substantiated who the father is. So, whether you know Wild Bill,
1: Mister Hickok,
0: yeah. Uh, fathered her children or not uh, is also because one of them came it's wild speculation uh, one of them uh, came out you know vehemently the kids yeah Listen. and and we're pretty much um, shot down with uh, with with the facts at the time now I don't know if any DNA uh, tracking has been done in, in modern day but um let's
1: go exhume some bodies
0: yeah or maybe they have they have some of her who knows what but here's the thing about calamity jane though you know in, in the long run and my paris hilton reference you know she most most of her deeds about calamitous adventure uh were stories self told mm-hmm. and uh, unsubstantiated and that's sort of folded in on itself with with this idea that uh, she acquired her own nickname. Uh, I she think
1: she gave herself a nickname.
0: I come through reading all this stuff, thinking she did this. Here, here's an here's another odd part of it. Early, now I guess, I, I guess uh, women would do it for one reason or another, and, and partly for survival, probably in in some of those days. But she, in in many ways, dressed as a man early, especially. Mm-hmm. And passed herself as a man, mm-hmm. and uh, according to one documentation, she was she was with some troop here again, uh, with some you know army troop. Yeah, and was I guess you know, you'd bathe just by diving in a mm. whatever like, you know maybe had some I don't know what you used for soap, maybe. and she was seen in the nude, and therefore and then sent away. Right. Right? Hey, you're on a fella. <laughs> so, I I don't know, but there there are uh, generals and captains who claim that Calamity Jane never saw service in any capacity under either General Cook or General Miles. She was simply a notorious character, dissolute and devilish. It says she possessed a generous streak, which may have made her popular, but I also uncovered a story where that she was in Deadwood uh, with a child that she claimed was her daughter. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jane requested uh, there was a benefit held to help her daughter's education. And they raised a bunch of money. This is in South Dakota, as it turns out. All right. To go to a nearby Catholic boarding school. Mm-hmm. They raised what it calls a large sum. Doesn't say how much. True. And Jane got drunk and spent a considerable portion of the money and then left the next day with the child. <laughs> so I, I don't I don't know about our friend Jane.
1: Sounds like she was having a good time.
0: Uh yes. And <laughs> uh, yeah. Other than that, it is almost as like she created this idea about her because it was popular and made her famous. Yeah. If there's some sort of Martha Jane Martha whatever cannery historian buff out there that can highlight something different I'm happy to hear it yeah everything I've read is Jane said it and no one substantiated it (laughs) Jane said yeah and that's Calamity Jane Hmm,
1: nice yeah
0: I hope that this episode hasn't been a calamity or too much trouble or put you in a pickle yeah it's lame that's fine okay
1: Season two. Here we Season are. two is Settling kicked in. off officially. Settling in.
0: We'll see you deep into the winter That's right. in the northern hemisphere. Yes. And then wherever else you are across the globe, in your particular climate. Climate. <laughs> and uh, we said to contact us yeah. by all means. For the contact us and tell us <laughs> stuff. And uh, I'm Jay. And I'm Ray. And we're not,
1: not idioms. idioms.
2: Whole Nine Yards is written, recorded, and produced by Big Science Pods. Learn more at whole9yards.org or contact Whole Nine Yards by emailing heyu at whole9yards.org. That's heyu at whole number nineyards.org. Whole nine Yards theme music composed by Big Science Music.